Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Yale, and this is part of my 29 Days of Magic series, where I interview a Black woman a day, every day for Black History Month. It is a delight to have Dr. Natasha Williams, who's a clinical psychologist, best-selling author, and international speaker as my guest today. It's going to be a fascinating conversation. Take a listen. Hi, Natasha. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I recording away, meeting all these phenomenal Black women. It's my favorite part of the entire experience, just connecting with really fantastic women. So it's a good day. Awesome. Uh, so, so the way the podcast works is the first question is always the same. The answer is always hilarious. I'm sure you're no different. <laughs> so, okay. Dr. Natasha, what was your first job? Oh, no. <laughs> I have to it can pick anything. It could be anyone. It can be so my high school, first, college. Yeah, yeah. So it was nearing the end of high school. I worked at a clothing store. So I was a customer service representative and a cashier uh, at a store called Winners, uh, which is would be the equivalent of like a TJ Maxx, you know, something like or along those lines. And I had that job for about three or four years and that was my first job oh you worked at winners <laughs> well, it's because I loved clothing right so Who doesn't it fed my love of clothes and shopping and I was like oh no this this maybe may not be the job for me because I'm going to be spending as much as I'm earning but you know what it's okay fantastic um, well, you know, we, we all got to start somewhere and it's funny. It's, it's, it's always hilarious whenever I hear that people start in retail, um, because retail like ends up pointing you in so many different careers and it, and it kicks off an incredible career journey for everybody. So I'm sure as yours is no different. So, okay. So we go from you know, being a winner at winners <laughs> to now, <laughs> what was that career journey like? Oh my goodness. The, the career journey was actually uh, quite amazing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, yes, in high school, I, uh, I worked at a clothing store, but when I started high school, I knew I wanted to be a clinical psychologist. My journey is that I, uh, I had lost my mom to breast cancer two weeks or so before I started high school. But, um, even though she immigrated uh, to Canada from the Commonwealth of Dominica and she was not a psychologist, she was sort of like a layperson psychologist. It was just the way she interacted with others and how caring she was for other people, the advice that she would give. And I said, I want to make sure that I'm in a career that emulates her. So as soon as I started high school, I really started the trajectory of becoming a psychologist. I, um, I thought I would be a child psychologist. And then as I started, you know, doing my, my, um, my undergrad degree, uh, I found that I would start to dive into uh, topics such as African history, Caribbean history, uh, feminist thought, uh, black feminist thought and, and philosophy. So I started to steer towards adult psychology. And then I just said, if I'm starting this, we've got to go all the way. So I, I did my master's degree here in Toronto, Canada. I did my doctorate degree in Chicago, Illinois. And a lot 
along the way, it was just diving in more and more into um, just not only the psyche and looking at understanding the basis of behavior, but then also looking at how psychology maybe has done a bit of a disservice in particular to our Black community and really looking at how I could put my efforts forward to engage in appropriate research uh, and being able to be clinically sound in a way so that our communities can actually have benefit from psychology versus how we've been typically taught in a westernized modality where it, it can actually possibly do a disservice to our community versus being an asset and a healing juncture for our community. So it's sort of in that path where I started diving a bit more into, um, into uh, research and, and understanding psychology holistically. So fantastic. That's just, go girl. <laughs> and so, and so how did you sort of morph that into becoming a best-selling author and the and, and international speaker? Oh my goodness. So it morphed uh, actually a couple years ago. So, you know, once I had uh, graduated, became a psychologist, I started my own practice right away. So uh, I was able to, you know, see clients, have my own practice and, and be able to be my own boss. And I really enjoy that and choose the type of work that I wanted to do. And as my clinic started building, it was, it was myself first. And then I was able to bring on staff uh, that then morphed into uh, connecting with other uh, colleagues and fellow psychologists, and we built a clinic, which is now called Allied Psychological Services. But also in the midst of this, where the best-selling author and international speaker came in, was initially I was also um, speaking internationally in regards to um, how do we use psychology uh, in, a, in a more culturally relevant way? So I would then go to different uh, conferences around the world and speak on that topic. Uh, and then from there, so I, it, it was tied into to my career. But then where it got bigger is, is that I'm pretty sure that this, you know, in terms of the international speaking can actually be another portion of my business or another arm of my practice. So then I really started to look at how can I then speak to uh, some of these issues, but then my personal life came into play as well, where I, um, I was married for about nine years and my marriage fell apart uh, for several reasons. Um, infertility issues, infidelity. So in the midst of that pain, I then started to also curate, how can I use my pain for purpose as well? So the authorship came about because I really wanted to have women in particular take back their power and really start to um, look at some of the messages we receive in terms of who we are as women and start to dismantle some of those things. Because I found that in my pursuit of being, trying to be all things to all people and, and sort of holding on to that superwoman syndrome, I was really losing myself. So the authorship came about is that I've now written uh, three books. One is called Embracing Selfishness. It's not what you think. So this is where we talk about radical self-care instead of just talking about very typical self-care 
such as, you know, Manny's Petty's, which is great, but we talk about a shift in mindset to radically uh, take care of self. Uh, then I also have another a journal called Embracing Self-Love. And my recent book is uh, You Are Not Every Woman to Being the Best Version of Yourself. So I, I oh, love that. Thank you. Thank you. So that's where I started um, the authorship piece. And, and it sort of was, how do I marry my clinical experience, um, my faith as a Christian woman, and then as well, my personal experience into being able to heal others. Now, in the midst of that, I've also been part of collaborations as well. There's a collaborative book called Carpe Diem, Reclaim Your Dream, Ignite Your Passion and Live Your Purpose. And then I've also recently published Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, where it's tough times don't last, but tough people do. And I was able to tell a little bit of my story as well, uh, going from thinking that everything was great and my life was going well to the bottom falling out, uh, separation and divorce, but then coming around full fold and now being you know, in the relationship with the love of my life who happens to be, who happens to be my first boyfriend who came back 20 years later. So we, I, was wow. to, uh, so I was able to tell that story as well. So it's a combination of everything that I am, which has now forayed me into a, uh, a speak, an international speaking career as well. So I use both my clinical expertise and then also faith and personal experience, marry them together. So basically what you're saying is that your life should be a Netflix movie at this point. 100%. Because, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, I mean, I literally was like, actually, I see like, you know, Smiley from playing you. I mean, it's like, I just see it all in front of me. I mean, um, like, wow, that's just incredible. And, you know, it's really... I, I love the fact that your latest book is called I'm Not Every Woman because I feel like, like I was just interviewing somebody else for 29 days and we were just having a similar conversation about how, especially as Black women, we think we have to do every single thing. Thank you, yes. And, <laughs> and, and, no, and no, we don't. And, and we will not either. Right. And, and then, I mean, and it's so important, I think, to bring that message home because I think particularly as Black women, our womanhood is defined by so many things except ourselves, And that includes putting ourselves on the back burner and putting everything else ahead of us. And if we don't do that, a lot of times our womanhood is questioned. So, you know, going through my own life and really trying to, you know, facilitate my own healing, I had to look and say, you know, why do we do this? So from coming from a, clinic, a clinical vantage point, I started to look at what is the foundation? And we talk about as, as a CBT therapist, or I use, I use cognitive behavioral therapy as one of the modalities that I use in my, in my um, psychotherapy. I, we talk about core beliefs and how these core beliefs are formed and created and looking at that as the foundation of who we express ourselves today. But we have to look at what actually forms those core beliefs. So we look at early childhood experiences, but then also cultural experiences in terms of whom you are, whom you're supposed to be, quote unquote, as a black woman, as a Caribbean woman, um, as a Christian woman, and having all of those messages coming into the forefront and setting a foundation 
where, and then obviously you have, you know, societal issues and norms and how all of that comes together to set that foundation and how those core beliefs impact us today. So in the midst of all of that, once we understand that we can then start to dismantle some of these myths because we're doing all of this to the detriment of ourselves. And a lot of times getting sick, bringing ourselves to an early grave, not being our best selves, and I really hold on to Ianla Van Zandt's quote. It's like, it's not being selfish, it's being self-full. You cannot pour from an empty cup. If you're not nourished yourself, how do you expect to be nourishment for others? So this is sort of the context of, of my book. And my hope is, is that, you know, anyone who reads it can really take uh, some sustenance from it and be able to chart their own journey. I mean, there's so much there, what you just said. Oh, my God. Because <laughs> um, you do this for a living. So you, you, have your, you have your points down pat. Because um, I, I think this is the key about it. I mean, there is something special and unique about the experience if you're a Black Caribbean woman who actually, and, and is also Christian. Like, yep. it's as if, could, could, you, could you throw, how many mountains on my back could you throw on me? Mm-hmm. and and so i think you know one of the only i think one of the gifts the pandemic has been this refocusing on our mental health especially as black women at this particular moment yes and how like we literally cannot do it all and we cannot keep being a cycle of generational women who have to do everything in in the service of others before we're in the service of ourselves Absolutely. I think that's a key part of this is that like we must be in service to ourselves. What is it? Because if we are in our best best self, it's the oxygen mask on first theory. You do it great for yourself, then you can help others. But like Absolutely. I think we've just been so trained that we have to take care of everybody else mm-hmm. before we even look in our direction. I even take care, look in our direction of taking oh, care of ourselves. Sure. Absolutely. It's like we have to put everything on our shoulders. So, you know, all of the, the family, everything, the world, we have to be that that strong force. And then as we as we neglect ourselves, how can we continue and maintain strength if we are continuing to sap our own energy and not being able to replenish it and not looking at ourselves as well? So it's um it's definitely a vicious cycle. It, it's 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 a transgenerational cycle as well, you know, because this has gone down from generation to generation. And what I'm asking for looking at is how do we start to dismantle some of this so that we can be our best selves so that you can also choose who you would like to quote unquote serve or be in service of if i know that i'm full then for example i know that i can be a better partner you know you know to my you know to my partner i could be if if necessary a better a better mother to my children and and you know like those so all of those other roles that we talk about as women we would actually be in a better position to be the best that we can be if we actually really started to flip things on its head and look at ourselves. But once you're tagged as selfish, and that's a tag that has had such negative connotation, what ends up happening is, is that you do everything in reverse. I don't want to be seen as selfish. I don't want to be neglecting my husband, my children, whatever the case may be. So I'm just going to just keep on going and keep on serving as serving my friends, serving my family. 
Again, the service is not the problem, but the issue now is, is that when it's at the cost of yourself and your health, you know, your well-being, this is where we really have to start reanalyzing things. It, it really is. And so I, I'd be remiss because I think you're the, the first psychologist I've had on the show. Uh, so I have to like ask, um, how and why should folks um, Oh, hire you, go see a psychologist himself. Like what's like mm-hmm. what do you recommend as like, you know, the kind of catalyst for them to like, you know, now would be a good time for me to, to engage a psychologist. Well, I think what's interesting is, is that a lot of times people will come to me when they're in absolute distress, right? You know, they are, they're suffering from anxiety, uh, depression, trauma, and they're at a breaking point where they're unable to function. So what we look at at times is at what point is your breaking point? It's because a lot of your realms or your worlds are not functioning well. I'm not functioning at work. My home life seems like I'm overwhelmed. I'm not engaging in my social, you know, my social or, or recreational activities. And this is the point where I, I really believe that I, I need to see a psychologist. Fair enough, because that's definitely how we are trained and what we are trained to do. But I would also uh, also recommend that the same way that you would you know, see your family doctor so that you know that you are well and then hopefully not going when you are sick and trying to be, um, you know, trying to uh, just pre- to prevent or, or um, you know, just mitigate some issues that are already there. You can also use a psychologist as preventative. I just want to see what's going on. Am I on the right track? Are there tips or ways that you can assist in terms of me maintaining um, my mental health and well-being as well. A lot of times with our own health, I always say mental health is whole health. Uh, so we have to just, we can't look at it as just a separate piece because we are whole beings. But a lot of times we use um, health as, as a reactive. It's only when I'm feeling sick. It's only when you know things are dire that I'm gonna go see the doctor or go see the, the psychologist. It, it would be a beautiful thing if we could do this from a preventative space where we can also be able to go beforehand and sort of, you know, ensure that the foundation is great uh, or that you have the tools and the skills, you know, right then and there. So it doesn't foray into a depression and anxiety, a, a trauma as well. So I would look at it on, on both ends, but my hope is is that in the future that we would actually look to psychologists for more preventative instead of just you know just reactive and also like before and before you have before things get to a breaking point it's kind of like when you go to the doctor you know you might be feeling fine but the doctor takes your blood pressure for example and sees it elevated and it's like okay let's mitigate this so that you, you don't develop high blood pressure going forward it's exactly. kind of the same thing with seeing a psychologist. Like you may think everything's hunky dory, you start chatting, and then the psychologist can pick up on some things that might need some assistance that you're probably not are you probably like either pushed back or are just trying to ignore because you don't think it's a it's, it's a big deal. So I, I love that analogy. And so, you know, obviously, you know, you are really busy. You do a ton of things. <laughs> yes. um, and I know you talked about radical self-care, but what do you do for your self-care? 
Oh, <laughs> you know, it is such an excellent question. So, you know, a lot, there's quite a few things that I've implemented. And they, again, it's never a perfect science. I usually tell people, look at your self-care on a continuum instead of an all or nothing basis so that we don't use what we do or not do in, in our own self-care as a yardstick to punish ourselves. So for myself, uh, what I've, uh, I've always been uh, charged to do is when I wake up first thing in the morning is I set my intention for the day uh, so that I, I'm in prayer at right as soon as I open my eyes. And I usually just tell myself, you know, thank you for the day uh, and, you know, go before me, Lord, you know, make my crooked path straight. Use me the way that you want to use me. Help me to, to be the best version of myself today. And, uh, you know, correct me when I need correction. So I, I actually put those intentions out there. So I'm just not waking up and jumping out of bed and going right out the gate. I'm trying to put some intention to my day so that, you know, even if the day doesn't go that well, I've been mindful of how can I put my best foot forward on a daily basis? So that's one of the first things I do. The second thing, one of the next things I do is, is that I am mindful of you know, nutrition and exercise. So not following a particular diet, but just also being mindful of the types of foods that I'm putting in. So not looking at, um, you know, looking at really limiting the processed foods, looking at really whole nutrition, balanced, you know, fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, proteins, those kinds of things. And just being mindful of what I'm putting in my body, organic as possible. And also moving my body. I, I work out about four days a week. And uh, I work out in the mornings because I, I noticed that if I tried to go after work, the workout would never happen. <laughs> so Same, same. Uh, I'm, I'm a morning work. I've become a morning workout person. Like, I can't I, do something in the morning. It's not happening. Right, exactly. So for me, if it's not done in the morning, it's not done at all. But I think also it provides me with energy in the during the day. It also helps me with mental clarity. So when I'm actually in front of clients doing clinical assessments or therapy, I find that my mind is sharper and clearer because I've moved my body, I've exercised. Uh, so that's important as well. Uh, the other thing I do is, is that I, um, I also make sure that I have a day where I shut everything down. So for some Christians, uh, they will call it a Sabbath. And for myself, um, even though in, in sort of my Christian denomination, we understood Sabbath, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a strong, uh, something that was strongly adhered to. Uh, for myself, I've decided with my own personal relationship with God, I, I ensure that I have a Sabbath. So from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, for myself, I make sure that I, I um, I'm not looking at emails. I've turned off my computer. I'm not doing any kind of paid work per se. And I'm just taking that time to reflect, um, maybe do some things that I would want to do. Now, mind you, with Sabbath, technically, you're not supposed to be doing grocery shopping and all of these kinds <laughs> of things. But, you know, but, it's a work yeah. in progress. <laughs> but... Um, but what's important for me is, is that I'm not working because what I used to do is I would literally work seven days a week. I would see clients Monday to Saturday. I'd be report writing on Sundays. And, and I literally was going down a path where I knew I would burn out. So um, I've really been very intentional with that. Um, so I can do things that I enjoy. And if it's, you know, 
cooking a meal where, you know, usually during the week, I'm just cooking like quicker meals. I can be intentional with what I want to want to make and want to eat or bake or, or those kinds of things. So those are some of the things that I've implemented over time to really, um, you know, look at my self-care and, you know, nothing else, nothing beats a great massage or going to the spa and, and those kinds of things. And I, I put those things in as well. So um, those are some of the, some of the things that I enjoy doing. Um, all good things. And I, I love the idea of a Sabbath. And I hadn't thought about that as, as even though I grew up Catholic and I still wear a cross every day and pray. Mm. Um, but, but like, yeah, that's actually an interesting way of looking at it. I think that, because I mean, I definitely do see that I've shut my laptop on Friday and then I try not to open it until Monday. Mm. Like that's been something I've, I've implemented this year, which, yes. which is new for me because I'm usually an insane with Alex, but I am trying to like break apart from that. Uh, and so, um, I think I've like didn't name it that, but I feel like I'm kind of adhering to something similar. So uh, that's great motivation for me to keep doing that because you know, if Dr. Natasha says to do it, then we should do it. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and then so last question for you, do you have a give and an ask of the audience? Oh, my goodness. Yes. So what I would love to do, and I, I know I'll provide you, I'll provide you with the links. Um, what I would ask of, of the audience is we're going to provide a, a link where I'm going to um, provide you, first of all, with a free resource, which is called a Miracle Question Worksheet. And what it does, it provides you with just a few questions that you would begin to ask yourself for people that are looking to, you know, live their best life, be their best, best selves, and start to ask some questions of themselves so that they can start that journey. So I'll definitely provide that link so anyone who's listening can definitely have access to that. And then as you um, are able to go on my website, the other thing which I would love to invite uh, all of your listeners to, to join is, is that I have a, I've just started up a radical self-care membership where each month you have access to a ton of information. Uh, this month, we're going to be for the next I think two or three months we're going to be talking about crushing limiting beliefs so each week there's a, a different theme in terms of what limiting belief some uh, homework that you would need to do access to myself in terms of Q&A a couple times a month as well as a, a group session where we get to dive a little bit deeper into some of those topics so I would also love to invite all of your listeners to uh, you know sign up for uh, the Radical Self-Care membership and, um, and be able to also allow me to assist them on, on, on that journey as well. There's three levels of, uh, of, that, uh, of that membership. There's a self-directed, there's a premium, and then there's a VIP. So all depending on, on what, you would, what you would prefer, uh, but the information is, is, is great. And my hope is, is that we will continue and we have different themes that come up. We'll talk about self-confidence, self-esteem, all of these things that we can start to look at to provide that healing journey for anybody who would love to, to sign up. So we'll definitely provide those links and I would encourage all of your listeners to, to come on my site and, and to join the membership. Awesome. And I will throw all those details in the show notes um, so that folks can follow, sign up. The Miracle Worksheet sounds amazing. I'm going to do that myself. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and get folks to try it out. Well, Dr. Natasha, you have just been such a delight 
and so wonderful. I mean, like I said, I just, I love, love, love doing this series because I'm always so in awe of the incredible women that get sent my way. And so, and it, you know, you're no different. So thank you so much for being part of the campaign. My goodness, thank you so much, Laura, for having me. I absolutely love this campaign. And I think it is amazing to edify the amazing Black women we have in our spaces. So thank you for providing that space. And it was such a pleasure to be on your show. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that is our show. <laughs>